When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports writer, Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world. We thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if that sounds like something you want to listen to all the time, make sure you go to the A to Z Sports podcast network feed on apple spotify and subscribe there and then you won't miss an episode when we drop them on mondays youtube.com search up a to z sports you can subscribe there and see our beautiful faces uh it is unbelievable how great we look frankly i maybe i might be a little biased in that but uh you can go a to z sports on uh, youtube find the video version of the podcast we're gonna have some uh we're gonna have some visual elements today so go ahead and uh, search that up if you want to see what we're talking about at certain points. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, and Nashville and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that gets written on the internet by Zach and I. Let's get right down to it, Zach. I don't think I'm alone when I say this. The Tennessee baseball is the most classless, unlikable, trash baseball program that has ever graced this earth. Shame on them and everything that they stand for. (laughs) That is a recreation of everyone on Twitter for the last two days (laughs) watching Tennessee baseball. Um, People are mad at Tennessee. And Tennessee just keeps on winning. What's up, Zach? I'll tell you, I uh, I was looking through some comments this morning from outside of that kind of the college sports world and the John Boy Media account that does a lot of mm-hmm. great baseball content, lip reading stuff. He he's really on that whole company's just on top of everything when it comes to baseball, and it, it's kind of geared towards MLB. So m- most of the followers of those accounts, I feel like, are MLB fans. And I was looking through the comments, and it, it was a it's very different than the reaction that you see from like Arkansas fans who are probably leading the charge against Tennessee baseball at this point. The, the, the comments from the John boy media post were pretty much like, Hey, this is fun. I love watching this team. I'm not even a college baseball fan, but this team is fun to watch. So it might just be Tennessee's rivals that are really hating Tennessee at this point. If you don't have allegiances, how could this not be so fun to watch? Seriously, I uh, well, and let's let's talk about it all in case anybody didn't see it. Tennessee opened up the NCAA tournament in Knoxville over the weekend for the regional Tennessee hosting the regional, obviously, Um, and they win. They sweep the regional three games in a row. Uh, It was not easy. 
They went down by four runs in two straight games, four runs to Campbell, came back, won by a bunch, then four runs uh, to Georgia Tech, came back and won by a hair. Um, or, or really, they got into a really tight spot there at the end, and then. Uh, but they had were, the uh, the winning run was the winning run was at bat at the plate. So, yeah, yeah, that was anytime that happens, that once one swing can end it. Exactly. And how so weird? They, how weird would how weird would that have been if Georgia Tech had said Grand Slam to walk off Tennessee in Lindsey Nelson Stadium? <laughs> I was so I, I don't think that I was almost fearing the loss. The loss. Like baseball's a tough game, and and sometimes, like at this point, how many games in a row has Tennessee won? They they swept they Mississippi lost State like middle of May, yeah, yeah. So swept the final, uh, the final series of the season, swept the SEC tournament, and then have swept in the NCAA tournament. So far, that's a, at least get closing in on double digit games now that they've won in a row. That's extremely tough to do. So it wasn't the loss. But the imagery of someone hitting a walk-off grand slam, and it would have been a, it would have been, isn't it considered a, when you're down by three and you hit a grand slam to win? It's like a super because it's what Drew Gilbert did uh, against. Yeah, Ryan it's State. like the most, the like the biggest, greatest thing you can do in yes. baseball. I mean, at any it's level, pinnacle. that is what yeah. you dream of as a kid. And and thankfully, Red Redman Walsh, after how absolutely horrendous those umps had been that entire game so so bad and then they actually tennessee won on a called strike so you know you never know baseball's a strange game how do you how do you feel about no because years ago whenever they started espn i think was the first to really do it they put the the little box up for baseball games where you could see the strike zone and i hated that initially absolutely hated it and now they didn't have it during those Tennessee games on on SEC Network and ESPNU, and it was extremely frustrating to not be able to tell if the umpire had legitimately made a bad call, a good call. I mean, there was a few that was pretty obvious were terrible calls, especially against Campbell. But it was very – I missed it. I missed that little box being there because it's hard to tell the way the catcher sets up at times where they all come in and they catch it. But that was kind of distracting – for me to not be able to tell what if the umpire is making a good call or not. And I was very shocked that they won on a called strike three. Yeah. I, I would like a visual representation. It's a lot of people make that point and they kind of go like, why do we not just have a robot that, that, that does this? Like you could literally have a machine that does this. Like in, in tennis, they have a, a machine that can show a digital image of whether the ball hit the line or not and mm-hmm. stayed in. It's like you could do this for baseball. It, it, it can be that precise, but you know, such is life. And so it certainly felt like in, especially in that final game against Georgia tech, those umps had that feeling that we've seen from opposing fan bases. Like we've been talking about where they may have been, not so fond of Tennessee's antics. There was a lot of glaring at Tony Vitello from the ump. A lot of, I I noticed on, this wasn't the Georgia Tech game. It was the Campbell game, but Drew Gilbert hits that home run and the ump stands beside the plate and like directs the players like, no, you can't, you can't go here. If you notice, he sort of plays defense and goes like, you have to stay in this area. You can't celebrate over here. And like, 
it felt like there may be some of those traditionalists that Tennessee pisses off among the ranks of the umpires. And that's a scary element because umpires control a lot about a baseball game. And as much as I love the antics, the, I don't, does that way on you at, at all? I mean, the, the antics are my favorite thing about this baseball team. So in no way am I going to say that's got to stop to please the umps. That's, I mean, the cat's out of the bag. People know how Tennessee is at this point, but does that concern you that it almost feels like even the umpires kind of have it out for Tennessee right now? And they, or do you even feel that way? You might not feel that way. Uh, I, I kind of felt that way a little bit in during the Campbell game when uh, Gilbert hit that home run and the was the very next Tennessee batter got hit by a pitch, right? And then they yep. they worn both benches at that point. Now, Tennessee's done nothing at that point to warrant being warned. And you know, I know, I know it was a breaking ball, and there the announcers were very convinced that it was not on purpose and. None of us really know the intent, but I think you throw a breaking ball, you kind of throw it up and in, it hits them. Oh, it got away. It's real easy to say that. It's not a fastball. So intent or no intent, Drew Gilbert hits that big home run. He does his typical Drew Gilbert stuff, and you know this the, the, the bat flip staring him down, like you said. And then the next batter gets hit. I mean, it feels like it's on purpose, right? I mean – so you don't give Tennessee a chance to really retaliate at that point. And I feel like if you'd want to go by these unspoken rules in baseball, you get a chance to retaliate. Then the warnings are issued. That's typically how that goes. So for them to warn Tennessee's bench there when they had done nothing felt like a direct response to the celebration that the umpires did not care for, or kind of like you're mentioning there. It certainly felt intentional. And yeah, the inaction – in Tennessee's favor. Well, not even in Tennessee's favor, the action in that spot against Tennessee after, I mean, we just celebrated that that's it. And it's not like, it's not like during the at bat Tennessee's bench is out, you know, screaming on the field. They are ruffling feathers in more than just the fans. And it's something to consider Bottom line to that discussion, you know, you, you can't in, assign intent to what's inside someone's head because you could. That's true of all sports. You can get a set of refs that are favorable to you and a set of refs that hate you. And it depends. They might feel some sort of way about your coach or what. And that's game to game. And you roll with it. That's sports. And so I, I don't take that much away from it, but I don't love it. The fact that we have kind of so much of this evidence of like, hey, how about you be a little more neutral? I could get it. You maybe you you don't like the Tennessee's breaking the unwritten rules of baseball. <laughs> well, they're unwritten, and so that means they're not against rules. So stop it. That's that's how I feel about the whole thing. And I'm not a, a giant baseball guy. I'm not historically a baseball guy. I didn't play baseball. I'm, I'm much more of a, a basketball football guy. But so so maybe I come from that point of view. We're celebrating is totally fine in, in my book. But like this whole breaking the unwritten rules thing, just shut up. Nobody cares. And it, I that has bugged the, me more than anything. The thing is, is that what Tennessee's 
doing the only thing unique about what Tennessee's doing is their record. They're they're fifty six and seven game winning streak. Uh, they've dominated all year. That's unique. The celebrating and the brash playing style, I mean, I think it's magnified because it's Tennessee and they're they're so good this year. But if you watch college baseball over the years, you see a lot of this stuff, especially this time of year, regionals and yeah. super regionals, Omaha. I mean, you'll see clips the next month of various pitchers and players mouthing off at each other and chirping at each other. I mean, that's it's that's been college baseball's calling card for a long time. So it's not it's not that Tennessee's changing the way the game is played uh, as far as the way they celebrate and stuff. They're just – they're winning so much and there's so much attention on them and people love to hate Tennessee. And I'm sure if an opposing fan base happens to listen to this, maybe they think that we have that in our head that everybody hates Tennessee. But for all these years, I think we have enough proof at this point. You know, with the Ole yeah. Miss-Tennessee debacle last year, the Shiano stuff, I mean, it goes back for a decade's worth of of evidence we have that Tennessee's not very popular among non-Tennessee fans for whatever reason. There's zero doubt in my mind that if Tennessee loses and does not win a national championship this year, from other fan bases, they will all revel in it. They will be so happy because mm-hmm. Tennessee is living in their head. And that is the way that it's going to have to be is just the reputation that you've built. That's why, you know, just go win it, please. That would be nice. Uh, but yeah, any anyone that says that Tennessee is not in their head at this point, if you truly care about college baseball and your college baseball team and, and it's not Tennessee, that the whole the whole game the reason Tennessee does this is to get into your head clearly it has worked and so i you know whatever what, what i will bring up now as i said we were going to have a visual element on the show and, and i'll say this if you're watching this uh with the, the the kiddos on youtube i don't i don't know how you feel uh about hand gestures but turn them away if you don't like profane ones potentially this is what we, what i want to talk about mike honcho a.k.a. Jordan Beck, goes up and hits a really clutch hit to center field last night, comes up huge, scores two runs for Tennessee, I think. Uh, one, in the ninth I think it just tied the game. Did, oh, I can't, yeah, it was a whole series of great at-bats yeah, during yeah, that yeah. sequence in the ninth inning. But whatever it was, it was a very clutch ninth inning, huge hit. I mean, just a massive moment in the game. And Jordan Beck does this as he rounds uh, first base to second base. <laughs> it appears on on screen. I I don't want to get copyright claimed by ESPN, so it's just a still image. But it appears that he is flicking off the outfield, giving him the old bird birdgate. Tennessee birdgate is what uh, what we can call this. Um, the Tennessee fans that don't want to think that Jordan Beck is flipping off the outfield. Um, are claiming that it is the his first finger or uh, his pointer finger and not the middle finger. I disagree for sure. Uh, I think he is absolutely doing that. And Jordan Beck, I mean, that's kind of his deal. Um, big time talker. And so, I mean, I'll just, I'll keep showing it here. Like that's the middle finger, right, Zach? I mean, uh, yeah, on. I mean, there's, and the video is even more clear. I mean, you can really tell that, I mean, you know, you know what flipping somebody off looks like, and you know what, you know, number one looks like. And I don't know many college players that go out 
trash talking say hey you know we're number one I, that's just not a very popular <laughs> trash talk uh terminology that, that that's used so yeah i definitely think it's it's him flipping them off and he said he did i don't think he was asked any questions about it after the game i'm not sure if if reporters even were aware of what had happened because that was a viral clip that some random twitter user kind of put out there because i didn't see it watching it live i had to I didn't notice it at least on the, on that replay. I didn't either. Uh, but he was asked, uh, you know, about the, I guess the double that he hit, and he said he told reporters that he kind of blacked out when he hit it. So maybe in his <laughs> blacked out state, he has no clue what, what happened. Ah, it's convenient. Oh, I I blacked out as I was rounding first. To, Great to answer. Second. Great answer. I don't remember what happened. I didn't see that that as as a quote from him. That's hilarious, actually. Um, is this uh, who uh, who do who do you think did it better, him or uh, Rayshon Golden, the defensive back that oh, flipped man. off all the Alabama fans a few years ago? What an iconic photo! It's it's got to be Beck because Tennessee actually won this game. Like it's yes, that's true. I Golden love, is I the love, better photo. Exactly. That photo is absolute magic where he's he's flipping off the Alabama fans. There's a Tennessee fan behind the Alabama fans mm-hmm. pointing and going, yeah, yes. it's so good. <laughs> One of the best Tennessee photos in existence. It's so, yes. so good. But this, I mean, it's it's a winning play in that game. Super clutch. Tennessee wins the game. Like this Beck, Beck had it where Golden is it's more of just a we're losing and I'm pissed off kind of a situation because I mm-hmm. think it was a pick six wasn't it yeah he ran so. back and and so this in this situation I think Beck takes it I wish there was a pristine photo of this it would be so funny to oh. just have Beck like forever be able to use that <laughs> as like a meme it would mm-hmm. be so good um but here's the question. I mean I feel like I feel like that moment though was Tennessee's down 4 nothing for the second straight day. And for the second straight day, the opponent probably thinks, like, this is it. We've got we've got this team. Yeah. And I feel like in that moment, it was Jordan Beck just being like, screw you guys. Like, no, you don't. You, you, you're never going to have enough runs against us. We're never going to give up. We love, we love being down. Because I think they do. I think they absolutely love being down so they can come back. Because I don't think I've ever seen a team that is this clutch. I mean, and it's a different guy all the time. I mean, Drew Gilbert is extremely clutch, but it, it, it's all of them coming together. Timely hit. It's like your six and seven hitters. It's it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It it really is unbelievable because that's probably the biggest piece of my analysis that I had going into the SEC and the NCAA tournaments was just who can outlast this team in a two-game series without elements like when they lost the series to Kentucky and it was rainy the entire time and the whole and the stadium was empty and just like but who in a raucous environment and one with good weather as you've had throughout all of these games who's going to be able to outlast this team when you look at the pitching that hasn't allowed more than eight runs in a single game all year and you look at the hitting that comes up clutch in every single moment always and from top to bottom has solid hitters. I believe Tennessee has an entire lineup's worth of double-digit home run hitters this season. Like, I I saw someone tweet that over the weekend. Uh, 
it's absurd. It, it really, it is truly, truly exceptional what Tennessee has, has done and put together this year. I, it is totally crazy, but I, I will ask this question about going back to the Jordan Beck, uh, Birdgate. <laughs> um, is this finally taking it too far? Has, has it gone, has it gone too far with flipping off the, the outfield? That's a really, really hard question to answer, I think, because I think about like, okay, if, if that was my kid out there that was 20 years old, 21 years old playing at that level or any level, really, it doesn't matter if it's college, high school, MLB, whatever. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't want him to do that. I love, I love, I love the way Tennessee plays. I'm, I consider myself a baseball guy. It's, and I, it, it's been my favorite sport since I was young as I can remember. But I don't really believe in a lot of the unwritten rules. I love high energy players. I mean, I love watching them. I, I mean, that's what you want to see. I, I hate just the monotonous hit a home run, trot around the bases, high five, going the dugout. Like I want to see what Tennessee's doing. I love it. But I, I don't think that's probably the best idea to do it. But I also don't think it's a big deal. Like he's in the moment. Like he said, he blacked out rounding first. I mean, that's intense. Like Tennessee, like they're taking care of business. They want to win. That that's that's all they care about. They're the, a competitive bunch of guys, and that's because of Tony Vitello. And he lets them play, and I, that's why they're playing at such a high levels because he doesn't kind of pull the reins back on them. But I do think that that's probably not the best idea, and I bet he probably regrets it. I would put it this way: Is it too far? Yes. But also, no. <laughs> like, yeah, he should have done it. But also, you're going to get me to condemn that. I love, love the trash talk. It is probably my favorite. I mean, just, you know, I'm a huge ish talker myself. I I love some good trash talk. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, I love Kentucky, Kentucky, uh, random Kentucky woman in Tampa came from. Oh. She knows this, the pom-pom she threw at me that's right here. Yes, I have a <laughs> hard evidence <laughs> that I talk my crap. Um, so I love it. I'm never gonna say you can't do that. Relative to the game, this does go over. The, like, this isn't just a celebration. He's, like, <laughs> actively saying, like, F you to the other team, not not just saying it with his his uh the things that he does in the game like you can you can essentially say f you to the team by hitting an awesome home run in a game he is literally saying f you to the outfield in georgia tech it's probably a little too far but like who who cares this is this is who this team is it is the perfect embodiment of everything that they have built and the reputation that they have and i love it i just i love it so much I some guy said on Twitter he was like, "What's next? Tennessee gonna pee on home plate?" And I said, "If they did that, I would cheer for that too, because I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's so fun. I love the celebrating. Uh, so whatever, man. One of the Bird best Gate. comments I, yeah, one of the best comments I saw from a Desert Vol that interacts with us a lot on Twitter." Uh, he, he mentioned that he was impressed that Jordan Beck had the wherewithal as he's rounding first, trying to make it to second, 
uh, you know, safely, that he has the wherewithal to actually do that, to stick his hand up, to flip off the outfielder, yeah. knowing the situation, and still make it to second. Because usually, unless it's like a walk-off home run or a walk-off hit where the game's over, usually players don't typically celebrate till they get to base safely. And then, you know, they, they do whatever to the dugout and all that. But he had the, the wherewithal to do that was, was pretty impressive as he's rounding first. Truly impressive. You don't just stomp on their throat with the play. Also flip them the bird. That's that's the way, the Tennessee way. I would. Absolutely. I don't know if Georgia Tech Twitter exists. I've never really seen a Georgia Tech fan much on on social media, yeah. but I would love to to venture into that world to see the reactions today. All all the Georgia Tech fans are too busy building robots or whatever they they yeah. do, you know. Uh, but. There, there's that. As far as those games go, you've got Notre Dame coming up. Um, they look pretty good. They also swept their regional, uh, and they they're playing really good baseball right now. They don't uh, they don't score a whole lot of runs. Like they won no, the game fifty first in the nation in batting average. Yeah, they are hit just bode well for them against Tennessee's pitchers, um, but uh, they they are great at pitching. Uh, and but they they really Tennessee's held Texas better. Tech down and say that. Go ahead. I said, but Tennessee's way better pitching. I mean, yeah. So it's if you look this is, at the this numbers, be, it's, like the, it's, this will be the case through the end of this tournament. Any matchup Tennessee has, Tennessee's a superior team. That's like by the numbers, they're going to be better than everybody. And mm-hmm. so you just you got to go out and prove that you are that that team and just go beat them because you're you're better than Notre Dame and they they should be Notre Dame. Yeah, I think this is an insane stat. You're talking about Notre Dame's pitching and they are they're top ten in the nation in pitching. They're number they seven in in ERA. Their ERA team ERA is three point eight two. Tennessee, of course, is number one in team ERA at two point three eight. I mean, that's one and a half runs per game difference. And that is when you talk about ERA, that's a that's a pretty big gap. Especially mm. from number one to number seven. I mean, you kind of that's pretty significant. So Notre Dame's strength is pitching. Tennessee's strength is kind of both, but you know, their their bats really get more of the attention Tennessee's bats do. So when Tennessee's strength is that much better than Notre Dame's or Tennessee's not supposed to strength is that much better than Notre Dame's strength, and then Tennessee's hitting obviously is where it's at. I mean Notre Dame's not good on the road. Most of their wins have come at home this year. It could be, I mean, obviously anything can happen. Like we said, it's baseball, but this is, to me, a pretty favorable matchup for Tennessee, especially a best of three type series, because Tennessee has the depth to really go at these guys all weekend. Who will outlast this team? I I don't know that that team exists. I I haven't been proven that they do without, without literal acts of God, again, like at that Kentucky series. Who has it? Go ahead and try and prove it. I haven't seen it yet. So there's there's that. I mean, we didn't even talk about the whole Evan Russell thing. I guess we should address mm. that. Cause that yeah. every it ended this the, the weekend ended up uh being all about the the birdgate and all of that stuff and everybody being pissed at Tennessee, but it began with Evan Russell being out for the game against Alabama State, which ultimately Tennessee didn't even need him. They won the game 10 to 0. They blasted him. Um, and the whole thing 
started with an ESPN. Well, it's I guess it really started with an Arkansas fan tweeting that Evan Russell is out for having tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. The whole team is going to get tested uh, and everybody's in trouble. Everybody's going to get suspended. An Arkansas fan in a troll tweet. It was a fake tweet. Just some kid. It was just some college kid. I went and looked at it. And it was just some kid with like 200 followers that tweeted this out. And a guy on ESPN, who was also an Arkansas fan, I assume that's probably how he ended up seeing it. Um, This guy also lives in Fayetteville and calls college baseball, repeats the thing verbatim on television during a game. And very, quite literally, defames Evan Russell um, unintentionally. Well, I'm <laughs> depending on what you... Th- I, I, I put it this way. Everybody wants that to be true. Everybody who hates Tennessee wants that to be true about Tennessee. It turned out it was just some undisclosed sort of health episode. And he, he had to get... He went through tests that it was... They never said what it was. Well, uh, his dad never, said that he had been... His dad tweeted and said he was dealing with a lot of uh, stress, pressure, and anxiety. Mm. Okay, so it's a maybe a, a mental health thing, very important. Um, Which I cannot imagine. Just a, like kind of a quick aside, I cannot imagine with all the attention that's been placed on Tennessee, and as you've kind of alluded to, everybody wants to beat them. They are public enemy number one in college baseball. I cannot imagine the immense pressure that every single one of those players is feeling right now. Absolutely. I mean, you you are having to live up to that moniker. I said it all mm-hmm. season long. Everybody's going out saying, is this the best college baseball team of all time? Look at how they play. Like, that's huge pressure. It's huge pressure to deliver in that moment. And yeah, and then maybe it, it got to him. Whatever happened, again, we don't, we don't know the full details there, and that's his own business, and uh, we'll leave it there. But... Uh, Every other opposing, there were Vandy fans being like, "It's it's P. This is weird. It's probably PDs. He's gonna be suspended for the year. He's done. Got to test the rest of the team." They all want it to be true. It all of those the true colors came out before the actual information that it wasn't any of that uh, was released. And so from that, it was this is probably one of my favorite things that's happened all season, uh, and it was the secondary part of this weekend. Um, but Tennessee went on the offensive tweeting out ESPN released a false. I don't remember exactly what they said, but they straight up, they were like, I don't, I don't know if they mentioned ESPN directly. I think they did. I think they did mention ESPN directly. Yeah. And, and just said, you know, a false report about our player and we're expecting an apology and Mm -hmm. said all that. Danny, a public, Danny, public apology. Yeah, Danny White made a statement on it, and I mean, it was a whole thing. They went after it and said, not to our player, you won't be doing this, and that's so nice. And and it's got to be, honestly, really reassuring for Evan Russell, because you have this episode, whatever may have happened, and then add on top of that that everybody suddenly thinks that you did PEDs, and that's a whole crazy thing in itself, and then to have the administration and the whole school, and obviously all the fans, too, step up in your stead and go, "Uh uh-uh. No, there needs to be some action here. And they did. And the guy that said it came out and apologized. It's not enough. I mean, frankly, he needs to not call a game for the rest of the season. That's really, really bad mm-hmm. and really lazy and terrible. I mean, it needs to be some actual punitive action here. But 
there won't be. And what's on ESPN, what's on but and what's unfortunate is that that had a I can't who was playing. It was like a Big Twelve opponent and somebody. I think the game he wasn't calling the Tennessee game. Of course, he was calling a, a separate game, commentating on the talking about the Tennessee game and the situation with Evan Russell when he brought that up. So I feel like you've got a lot of non-Tennessee fans, maybe in the Midwest, out West, watching this baseball game. That's that's what they heard. They took it as fact. They don't hear the apology maybe the next day. They don't see all the media coverage because they're not in, you know, the, the Tennessee uh, content world where they, this is popping up in their news feeds all the time. So in their minds, they still think, oh, yeah, that good Tennessee team. But, of course, they're all on performance-enhancing drugs. Like, that's stuck in their mind, and I – guarantee you there's a lot of uh, fans of those teams that were watching that game that probably still believe that a couple of days later because it, it really I don't feel like ESPN did good enough job of kind of clearing Evan Russell's name on that I mean the apology yeah. on television was yeah that had to be done by that person but I felt like they needed something else kind of in 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 writing kind of put out there a statement something that was kind of out there for the masses a little more maybe on sports center whatever because that that is a huge deal like you said it's it's very it, damaging to his reputation the the retraction and this is true of terrible reporting across the board the retraction never gets the same views as the original wrong report never and you're exactly right there's a bunch of Oklahoma State fans or whoever that think that Evan Russell did PEDs and got caught and got suspended. And that's completely absurd. And Evan Russell does not deserve that. And then it's Troy Eklund. Let's, I'm, you know, I'm not protecting his name. We just didn't say it that whole time. Troy Eklund was yeah. the guy. Um, I don't know his background, who he is, but he called baseball on ESPN. Like I said, in my opinion, there should be punitive, uh, something done there that, that actually is consequential to him. Um, I'm not saying, I don't want him to be fired. You make mistakes. It was lazy mm-hmm. and it was stupid. I don't want the guy to be fired. It's but there's got to be incredibly lazy because like, look, so I, bad. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing on Friday evening, uh, but I know I spent a good amount of time trying to figure out what was going on with Evan Russell. Yeah, oh, one yeah. for for several different reasons. One, the line of work that we're in. You, you want to be on top of stuff. You want to know what's happening. Uh, you're not really kind of. You're not really. I hope you just want to know. I mean, it's you're just trying to get the facts. So you're constantly trying to figure out what's up and you see all these rumors. Well, none of like the rumors meant nothing to me. Like they're just rumors. We see rumors all the time. Zero chance that I was going to look at anything on Twitter or a message board and take it as fact until it came from a reputable, reputable reporter, the university, Tony Vitello, who spoke after the game a player, family, something like that. I mean, that's what you're looking for, not some random Twitter thread. And for for anyone that kind of works in the media world to take that is just completely irresponsible. But for an ESPN announcer, you're supposed to be at a higher standard. You're calling a game. I mean, that is just, I don't know why you would take that and then broadcast it over the air. I mean, that's something you might say to your partner off air, like, hey, yeah. did you see this? rumor like you you think maybe that could be a thing you know like i understand that because i saw it and i'm like man i don't i don't think that's the case but but, uh, you know who knows you know you you never know if you did 
two seconds of work, you would have seen that this thing was fake. Because you right. you look at the guy's Twitter account, like I said, he had like 200 followers. He's a nobody. He doesn't His uh, bio on Twitter did not say reporter for XXX. Like they didn't even put in that much effort. Not even that. And then the guy, he he thought it was hilarious. I mean, frankly, it got all the way to ESPN as a troll job. That is kind of hilarious uh, as far as that goes. It's terrible that it ended up, you know, at the expense of a kid who was having a, a mental health episode potentially. Um, but like he, he was on there like bragging about it. Two seconds of work. You could have seen that. Like it, all it would take was one click with your finger and scroll down a little bit. <laughs> like that's all it would have been. And that's all he had to do. That's that's why. I mean. You you hurt, genuinely hurt the reputation of this kid on national television, and all all that came out of it was and the whole lame, really lame apology. The whole team, the whole team as well. I mean, obviously Evan Russell yeah. is the one who is named and bears the brunt of that, but he suggested that the whole team was going to be tested on Saturday. He covers college baseball for a living, and he doesn't understand how absurd that statement is. That makes no not sense. Typical. No, zero sense. Like in the middle of a game against Alabama State in a regional, suddenly you're going to test the whole team the next game. Like that doesn't, that, that, it's the fact it's that exactly, it came from an ESPN announcer is just, it doesn't help their reputation. It's already not great at this point. It is the exact same thing as the loaded bats at Vandy, the quote unquote loaded bats at Vandy. Mm-hmm. Every Vandy fan wanted that to be true. So badly they wanted to be so badly that this guy like wrote a whole thing about it and made it up and just did the whole again defame Tennessee's entire team. Um, well, either he made it up or Vandy literally like probably broke some code of conduct by sneaking in, stealing a bat from an umpire's dressing room and testing it themselves in secret. I mean, that's a whole other thing that's really never been addressed. Mm-hmm. Like, who Lord knows, but uh, it's the same exact thing. They all wanted it to be true. This guy's from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm sure he's an Arkansas fan. He wanted it to be true. So he's talking about it on air. Absolutely insane. I what what do you even say? Just another piece in this the crazy season that this has been. Um, but yeah, do, we definitely needed to to address that just and wasn't even the primary week see sweeping and winning, and that was great. Um, and you just have this crazy other story that ended up happening through it all and through it all Tennessee just keeps on winning it doesn't matter Evan Russell only played in one of the three games and oh he played here we are he played he got in the game against Campbell didn't he late as a pinch oh he, that's true right at the end he did he, he he didn't start but he that's true he got a hit he got a hit in his like first at bat yeah which was he did the yeah. but, um, uh, you know that wasn't the only rumor there were other nasty rumors flying around on social media that, that don't deserve to be repeated and and you know, a couple of them suggest that he's out for the rest of the year. Like, no factual basis. Well, I, I saw. Oh, did, yeah, th- it was some local dude, some local reporter oh, in, in yes, Knoxville. Yes, who, I can't remember who, who it was, out, but yes. And th- that guy just skated free. I, somebody mm-hmm. tweeted that. I mean, I didn't even he think should about think, it. He should thank ESPN because exactly. it really took the heat off of him. I saw a few tweets about it. Yeah, he he would have been the brunt of this because yeah, if I don't even remember Tim something or other. He, oh like, yeah, yeah, news, was, uh, I think TV guy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's he's lucky I don't have immediate recall of his name on this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, tweeted out that th- what I'm hearing is that he may be out for the year. 
it's all this stuff. You can't just tweet that. You can't where, tweet like, Where did he get like, that from? He got that. He got that from Twitter because there was no huh. nothing from Tennessee indicated that at all. Now I will say that the way Tennessee handled it on Friday led to the crazy speculation. It was weird because they could have said Evan Russell is out due to Ill, a non-COVID related illness. Yes, and nobody would have thought anything about it because we see stuff like that all the time in sports, all the time, especially pre-COVID, all the time. Nobody would have, this wild speculation wouldn't have happened. So I, I do think Tennessee could have handled it a little better because when you put that out and then say Tony Vitello will address it after the game, that just opens up a whole world of, like the rumor mill is going to go crazy with that every time. I I don't know which spokesman from UT put that out there because it did come i believe the original report came from just some spokesman mm-hmm. it, it might have been the person in the press box at the game i don't know yeah i don't um because it didn't come out until right before the game but whoever yeah, framed it, it like even, that yeah. originally yeah t- whoever did that ugh, don't do that again the, hopefully yeah. that's that's a teachable moment to be like let's be a little mm-hmm. more clear you don't have to tell the story <laughs> but you can be a little more clear uh right and so because because i mean i had i had a whole set of people um, come in and being like, do you know anything? Do you know anything? Do you know anything? And I, and the, I told the truth. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. That's what you do. Don't speculate. Don't do any, don't fill in the blanks about a kid's health and his, you know, potentially being suspended or anything like that. That's stupid. Don't do it, Tim, whoever you were. Um, and so there, there's that, um, there's a lot we got more to talk about <laughs> in this in this whole show. Uh, yeah, on a, on a, on a little... brighter note, how did how did you feel about? Uh, we talked about this a little before the show, but the John Wilkerson call at the mm. when Courtland Lawson hit the three run home run, incredible call by John Wilkerson, and subtly threw some shade, literally shade, I guess, at uh, Campbell University for their tweet earlier in the week where they kind of said that, you know, they're the real orange. I didn't even know Campbell's color was orange. I didn't know anything about Campbell until this week. It was a great call by John Wilkerson, and I just had to hear that guy do some more stuff for Tennessee. Wilkerson is so great. His his calls, uh, that one in particular, you wrote about it, uh, and him throwing shade. I didn't, I didn't connect. I heard the call, and I didn't make the connection of him mentioning Pantone 151 was like a shot at something that Campbell had said earlier yeah, on they in the week. tweeted out Pantone. I think theirs is like Pantone 158 something. You know, that's the real orange. It was their tweet. They got a little too big for their britches, Campbell. You sit down. <laughs> not today. Uh, not against Tennessee. Um, but here, here is the call. I had it. And here we go. This is Wilkerson's call. And... I would I would start this by saying this. This is the conversation that we wanted to have here. Imagine something like this with Tennessee football. And mm-hmm. we'll go from there. But here's the call on Cortland Lawson's hit. Cortland Lawson hits that ball in the air towards right. Going back is hell. He's to the fence. It is a five-run lead for Tennessee. The first home run allowed by Chassis. And of course... It's hit by a Tennessee volunteer. 
Cortland Lawson. Give him 12 for the season. 43 runs batted in. It is a four-run ninth inning. And it's Tennessee 12, Campbell 7. Lawson comes through for Panton 151. <laughs> so awesome. Such a great call. Wilkerson's a goat. I love him. And the conversation that has continued to happen through this awesome run for Tennessee is that Wilkerson's the best radio announcer Tennessee has. And everybody is kind of noticing, like, this guy's really exciting. His calls are great. He'll do things like he actually pays attention to social media. He's on Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. And sees things like that. He'll do little subtle shots at other teams. He's a total homer, which everybody loves in, a, in somebody that calls their games. Especially on radio. Absolutely. I mean, it's that's what it's made for. Excitement. Mm-hmm. You want to paint the paint the visual and 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 capture the excitement of the game. Like in a moment like that, you don't want to just be like, and that's a home run by Cordland Lawson. Tennessee now up 12 mm-hmm. to 7. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on on. WNML, you know, that's nobody wants to hear that. And this is not. None of this is to say that Bob Kessling. Is like, I I don't care to take a shot at Bob Kessling. He is just not the same type of announcer as Wilkerson. And I think it has made so many Tennessee fans with the prominence of this Tennessee baseball program and the prominence of Wilkerson's calls because there's he's had so many good ones. It's made Tennessee fans go like, what if Wilkerson took over for football? Like, why? Like, Bob, thank you, Bob. You've been a great ambassador for the University of Tennessee. We really appreciate it. But, you know, maybe Wilkerson's the guy. Your your thoughts, Zach? I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I don't want to take a shot at Bob Kessling either. I think he, you know, he's obviously, he's, he's a Tennessee volunteer <laughs> through and through. But, yeah, Wilkerson just provides a different level of excitement. And there's so many times, like, I love, like, one of my, I have downtime, me and my 10-year-old, sometimes we will get on YouTube and watch 20 minutes of, like, great sports calls in history. Just great, you know, whether it's TV, radio, or specific games. And when it comes to Tennessee, once you get outside of, obviously, John Ward era, it, it seems like the better call for a, usually college football, the better call is going to be the radio guy. Like you think about the the Auburn six against Alabama. That's one of the the late uh, radio announcer. I can't remember his name for Auburn. That was one of the greatest calls I've ever heard. It was it was tremendous. But when it comes to watching Tennessee highlights from like the last fifteen years, what few there have been, it seems like the better calls the TV uh, broadcast of the game because Kessling is just this just just the excitement's not there in his voice like it is with Wilkerson like that's what I want to hear for for football nothing to get Kessling it's just not who he is I couldn't get on there and do what John Wilkerson and some of these other great announcers it's a talent you know it's a great talent and you know it would certainly make these these games or highlights at least uh just more fun to listen to there is a reason that when you recall the Hail Mary at Georgia you recall Vern Lundquist. Mm-hmm. Dobbs heaves it. They're bunched up in the end zone. Joan Jennings. And it, I, I, it was a debacle. Bob's call on, on that mm-hmm. because it was really not excitable. 
and it's I mean it's notorious at this point. What a turn of events. That was Bob's call mm-hmm. <laughs> on the yeah. Hillary for Tennessee. And he's had some moments like that where you go, like, come on. Like this is it's like this is Tennessee. We gotta get excited. Things are it's a Hail Mary at Georgia. This is an insane moment. And yeah. Vern Lundquist got it. And and Bob, like I said, it's kind of a notorious moment now. And he's I think in particular, he re- he really excels at basketball. And he he plays off of uh, Burt Burlkamp nicely, and Burt Burlkamp's his hype man. Mm-hmm. He's obviously money, <laughs> you know. He's that guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, there's there's a reason that people were really sad when Tim Priest retired, who was the his uh, color analyst for football. It's because Tim Priest brought the excitement. When crazy stuff happened, mm-hmm. you had to listen to Tim Priest, not Bob. Now think if the main guy became the hype guy. That would be John John Wilkerson. You get somebody who is that excitable homer in that spot, calling those games. It would, man, like it's obviously is not the end of the world. Bob does a a fine fine job. He calls the game, and you can hear it. And he he does the job. Like I will listen to Bob, and you he conveys the game, and I know what's happening, and that's great. But you want it to just go to that other level because it is something that is one of the best parts of sports it like you said mm-hmm. you can just watch a compilation and it adds this excitement and this exhilaration mm-hmm. to the whole thing when you hear uh you know some like like a Vern lundquist and and guys like that where they just make these great calls in those moments and it elevates it that much more i again this was not meant to be a bob kessling bashing session but it has been a a running sort of theme through all of these calls when you when you see i mean i even wonder let's look at that that tweet i i played that uh, call from a tweet on the sports animal let's see if there are comments on it that are basically like i bet there are i would almost guarantee it i have to go all the way back but i bet there are yeah, comments there, there were a lot fan. there were a lot of there were a lot of comments on on facebook that i saw uh clamoring for for john wickerson to be the play-by-play job for football when you lose, when you lose the Facebook crowd, you <laughs> you've lost everybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, four comments down. He should be calling Vol football games. Uh, National treasure, hell of a call. Get this man in the football booth, and it has twenty three likes under the sports animal. Look, Bob will never see that because he's not on Twitter, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> I don't want to hurt Bob Kessling's feelings. He has been an incredible ambassador for the University of Tennessee, and we appreciate that. And he will get the send-off that he deserves as a Tennessee legend that he is when he retires, whenever that may be. But maybe let's start thinking about this. I, I just think it has really come to the fore with how great Wilkerson has been with all these baseball calls. And I, I it would be a valuable move. That's all I'm saying. Hey, Tennessee, take it into consideration. And that's that's that. Did you have anything else on this note that you wanted to add? Because that's that was really the bulk of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee has this great asset that they could use, but they're in a weird spot where you can't tell Bob to step aside. You can't. You, know, no. you have to let him do what he wants to do. And I, I respect that and I understand it. So, you know, hopefully it works out sometime in the near future. Uh, I'll tell you, Danny White listens to the people. And I don't know how much he's concerned about what Vol Network does and how all of that goes with, with his job. 
I don't even know if it's on his radar, but if it is, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if eventually something happens, because Danny White is very aware of what the fans want. And he's, he wants to give the fans what they want because that's who donates money. <laughs> and, and that's, well, you know, and, and that's I don't part think, of his thing. I don't think you even need to push Bob out necessarily. No. I, I think he's really, he's really excellent. Like I said, I, I like him on basketball. Um, pair with Burberry, which is weird because I'm, I'm, I'm more apt to listen to a basketball game, the radio broadcast of a basketball game, just because of the nature of when games are this and that. I rarely listen to a football. I'm not going to. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to be at the game. Uh, I'm going to hear the highlights. You know, when when I look back at stuff, that's where I'm going to hear. Kessler. Yeah, exactly. And I think you you just you keep him as a. He and he does this currently as just sort of a host on like some some YouTube videos, interviews with coaches and things. He does a, a yeah, there's lots of, of opportunity that. there. Yeah, yeah, like let him let him stay doing something like that. He deserves it. But uh, I don't know, just our our two cents on that whole situation because a lot of people have been talking about it and we wanted to to bring it up. Uh, we'll end with a little fault here. Obviously, not going on with football. We we wanted to have this discussion, and I think we'll let's push it off to a little bit further in the postseason. Um, but uh, Clay Travis put out this piece actually just this morning, um, Monday, that's uh, called "SEC Football Teams Should Become For-Profit Businesses," and he really just advocates for it. This is where we're headed with NIL. Just pay these players, pay them like it's a job, make it a business. Tell the NCAA to go kick rocks and finally break away. And I, I th- he had some, some really love him or hate him, whatever. I thought he had some well-considered points in there. I know a lot of people don't like Clay Travis, but however you feel about him, um, I, th- I, I thought it was worth talking about, but let's, I think it could be a really long conversation. We're already an hour in. Um, so we'll talk about that later, but just a quick recruiting update that we wanted to give uh, from uh Really, I guess guess you could consider it even part of our talk from last week about the big recruiting weekend and the effects that it had. I think you saw one this week. Five-star offensive lineman Francis Mawajoa. God, these these uh, these names of these dudes. Um, he released his top six teams, and it's an interesting list: uh, Alabama, Florida, Miami, Tennessee, USC, and Hawaii. Now we talked last week about uh, Maojoa, and he actually is. You said he's lived for periods of time in American Samoa. Um, was that correct? I think, he's, I think that. yeah, I think he's originally from America Samoa, and then he's okay. also went to high school in California, then transferred to where he's at IMG Academy in Florida currently. But he also goes back. I think I think he still has obviously a lot of family still lives there. Yeah. So that having Hawaii on the list, if you chose Hawaii, that would sort of be a, a a staying home move of sorts. You know, however you you feel about that, that certainly feels like the outlier here because every other team yeah. out of USC is on the East Coast, <laughs> and and uh, Hawaii is Hawaii is the only team in his top six that's not getting one of his five official visits. He took an unofficial visit uh, to Hawaii, so I. I don't know if that's very telling or not. Probably cheaper to go to Hawaii from America to Samoa yeah. or if he's going with the family. 
uh, somebody you want to use those official visits at a place that's going to pay for you to pay, pay for your travel. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't see Hawaii probably being the, the winner in this. I mean, I kind of wonder if he like has family who are big Hawaii fans, they live in Hawaii, uh, or or just fans from American Samoa, and and he's kind of placating the, yeah, okay, uncle, mom, I'll put them on the list. We'll <laughs> we'll include Hawaii. See that a lot. It's a move like you that. See that a lot. Know? You do, and and that's that's what that feels like. But this is what he had to say about Tennessee. Two four seven Sports got some quotes from him about his his final six. Uh, final six schools and make no mistake. I mean, this would be an absolutely massive pickup. Um, you need a, another five star at any position, but offensive line, the whole team, in my opinion, you know, everything kind of begins and ends at the line of scrimmage uh, in sec football. And, but he said this about Tennessee quote, I just visited there pretty recently and it was incredible. I had a different vibe there than all my other visits. And it was definitely one of the best trips I've taken. They have a great staff that knows how to put points on the board. Coach Heupel had a lot of success at UCF, and he brought a lot of those guys with him, including Coach Golish, Coach Ellerby, and I really like them a lot, too. Then, of course, you have Nico, and this is the, the big part of this. Then you have Nico there, and we've been boys since we were freshmen back in Cali. We talk all the time, and he really wants me to come with him, and I'm definitely giving them a hard look. I really like the sound of all of that. That is great. And what a big pickup this would be. Yeah. And Nico was there uh, this past weekend on the visit. There's a great photo of him holding up Nico. It looks like they're already celebrating like their touch. They're in full Tennessee uniform. And as soon as I saw that photo, I was like, this is perfect. I mean, this is what you want to see in two years from now. Uh, Rivals National Recruiting Director... Adam Gorney, I believe, predicted that Tennessee would land him. So that is, you know, encouraging. That just, yeah, you're right. In the trenches, you got to have those guys to win. I mean, that's the difference in playing. It's not just the skilled guys. You play Alabama and Georgia, they got guys like that all across the, the offensive and defensive line. Think about the difference that a guy like Trey Smith made during his time at mm-hmm. UT. I mean, they, guys on the offensive line can be great leaders. It doesn't have to just be the quarterback. Uh, and it's an incredibly important position. But really, you look at this, the entire situation, and specifically what he said with uh, with Nico. We've been boys since we were freshmen back in Cali. We talk all the time. He really wants me to come with him. Obviously, that shows the value of Nico Iomaliav and the things that he's doing for you mm-hmm. right now. Having him locked in, obviously recruiting extremely hard on Tennessee's behalf. You get another five star in here, and and a guy who is like longtime friends with Nico could dine on their recruiting trip for you and go like, we got two five star dudes. Come on down. Let's add a third. Let's add a fourth. Let's get more of these four star guys. Let's get this elite talent and get them selling the program on your behalf. I God, that would just be massive. Clearly, Tennessee at the moment is. I, I don't know that you would consider Tennessee his his leader. I guess you would. I mean, the the guy at Rivals does. So, but uh, they're they're in a good position. I would put it that way. I'm not. It, his recruitment is far from over, and you got a long way to go to to work on him. But loved those comments. Shows that the recruiting weekend went really well, and and just more proof that that Heupel's working hard over there on the recruiting trail and and doing a good job. Uh, that's uh, the the bulk of my thoughts about it. I didn't know if you had anything else on uh, on recruiting or football. 
not a whole lot going on. Yeah, it just shows really what you know. In late March, when Nico committed, we kind of felt like, hey, he he's already talking about recruiting these guys, and it wasn't just lip service. I mean, he's putting in the work. You see interviews all the time from uh, guys that have visited Tennessee, and like every other one, there's a comment about like, yeah, Nico's in my ear a lot, and Nico is. He's a very charismatic guy. We've talked about it before. People are kind of drawn to him. Uh, they, he, he's a trendsetter. He, people are just following him. He's a natural leader, and he's a very down-to-earth guy as well. I mean, it's every time he comes, every time he comes to Knoxville for a visit, social media is littered with photos of him posing with fans, young, old, everything in between. Like he doesn't, he embraces it. And just the value of his commitment goes far beyond what he will actually do on the field because we have no idea how that will turn out yet. Just everything else that he's brought, the attention that he's bringing to Tennessee, uh, the other players and recruits that are now interested in Tennessee because of him, it's invaluable. If he's the guy that got the $8 million, it was money well spent. Uh, because it, it, they're going to make way more off of him than that $8 million. I th- You know, in that slot on, on 247 Sports, when you look at a player's profile and it has that, that slot uh, that says recruited by for each school, and like for Alabama, mm-hmm. it says Holman Wiggins, Eric Walford. For Tennessee, it says Glenn Ellerby and Alex Golish for, for Francis Maujoa. You got to throw Nico in there. Let's get him get him his yeah. his recruiting profile on two four seven sports as a recruiter for Tennessee. Uh, get him in there so he can get his due credit because the dude is working hard on Tennessee's yeah. uh, behalf, man. And I guess we did uh, we did mention last week that Maujo goes to IMG Academy, and Brian Niedermeyer is down at IMG Academy uh, at the moment. Don't know if that'll play any factor into it. Hopefully not. Hopefully Niedermeyer does not uh, stoop to anything. I, I guess I, I don't even know if he has hard feelings against Tennessee. He may or may not. I, I would say well, if I was him, I probably I wonder, would. But a lot of what happened at Tennessee, the, a lot of those people are gone now. Uh, the athletic director's gone. He had no, I mean, Niedermeyer had nothing to do with Danny White or anybody on the current staff. I mean, it's, it's all new to him. So I don't, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting. I, I wish he would give an interview. I know he probably can't because the investigation isn't, isn't complete yet. And he doesn't know exactly what his future holds as far as when he'll be able to coach in college again, or if he'll be able to coach in college again. But that is an interest because you know that these guys have had conversations. I think Niedermeyer's coaching on the defensive side of the ball down there, but you know, he's had conversations with Tennessee staff because they're, they're recruiting several players from IMG. It's not, it's not just him. So that that'd be a very interesting conversation. I don't think if you're a high school coach, you can't dissuade one of your players from attending an SEC program. Like that's just not a good look. You want the best opportunities for your players. And it's really it's up to them. It's where they feel the most comfortable. It's not where a coach wants them to go. And I don't I don't think you're gonna earn players' trust very well if you're kind of pointing them in a certain direction. Yeah, I think one of the most incredible things that could come out of moving beyond the NCAA era in college sports, um, at least in major college sports, football, basketball, et cetera. If you could separate from the NCAA, get that in the past, do something like Clay Travis proposes something, 
and you would give all of these former coaches and players the ability to just talk about what happened and just mm-hmm. let it go. Some some guys already have. You've had some of it come out, but you know, without any any specter of the NCAA hanging over all of that, and that's not a problem anymore, you could get everybody to spill the beans. And I, man, I want to know. Some of these tactics, when you look back at some of the stuff that has brought down some of these coaches, you know, Patino having strippers and uh, you know, some of the things that have come out in this FBI report and literal phone calls from Will Wade just talking on the phone about <laughs> paying players and stuff like that. I well, want to know that, that documentary, that HBO documentary that, that focused on, well, not really focused on Will Wade, focused on, but he was a big part of that with all those phone calls and hearing that audio. That was incredibly fascinating to me. When you, yeah. the behind the scenes stuff like that, it's kind of like when we got that uh all the emails from Tennessee's coaching search like I was so excited to sit down and read through all of that stuff just seeing what all actually happened because you we've talked about it so many times but college sports operates under this veil of secrecy where they don't want anybody to know what's going on so it just leads to this crazy speculation so it's really like for example back in the 2012 Tennessee coaching search we still really have no idea how involved John Gruden was or was not in that coaching search. Like we don't really have the facts of what happened. And I would, I would love to know if he was, if he was ever on a plane, if he ever met with Dave Hartz and some random airport in the middle of nowhere, I, I would just, I would like to know. There is so much that is under the veil of secrecy in college sports. Uh, I mean, it, it is literally a industry a, a billion dollar industry that has an entire black market and it like doesn't get talked yeah. about very much it's so crazy that even now even with yeah it's above board but you still have these collectives and stuff they're not just giving out what's happening behind the scenes they're not just talking about it it's not like transactions in the nfl or the NBA where you know the details of the contract and you know exactly what's going on. You know that they're sitting at the negotiation table. Like I think you get reporters that go like from a, from a source close to the situation, they're in negotiations right now and it's not going well. You don't get any of that with players and then IL stuff, you know, there's not going to be that kind of transparency and I want to know, dang it. Tell me what is happening. I'm it's, like you said, fascinating. That is the exact right word. Absolutely fascinating. I want to know about all of it, but we probably we probably never will. Secrets of uh, no. college and, You know, it, it really Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher kind of prove what we're saying because they don't they don't want to publicly talk about exactly what each other has done. But at the same time, Saban uh, this past week, the SEC meetings in Destin, he said, you know, I, I never said Jimbo did anything wrong. I never said Texas, anybody did anything wrong. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, so what are you saying then? What? Oh, boy. <laughs> because there's this secrecy of like, yes, of course we're paying players to come here because it is kind of legal now with the NIL stuff, even though we're not supposed to do pay for play. Uh, but I don't like that other people are doing it. That's what it kind of feels like. But I can't really talk about it because it's this big secret. So stupid. It's all so stupid. That's mm-hmm. really the bottom line. Just, just drop and really it. the transparency that you talked about would solve a lot of a lot of their issues. It would. 
It seriously, it would. And, and for both sides, it would really benefit the players and it would also benefit the schools. The schools don't think it would. The schools think that they are really, you know, they have an information advantage. True to some extent. But it would really benefit the schools in the long run to just have an actual open market. Really? Yeah, because here's the thing is like if you're a quarterback that wants to go to Ohio State and you go tell them like, hey, USC is offering me $10 million for three years because I'm going to leave after I'm a junior in high school or college. So you got to beat that. Well, Ohio State, there's no, really no, there's no way to prove a lot of that. It's all word of mouth. It's all speculation because they're so guarded about what is happening. I mean, it's really hurting the schools, to be honest, but you don't know what another player is earning. You don't know what a linebacker at Texas is earning versus a safety at Virginia or whatever. I mean, it's so it's so it could be any it could be two hundred thousand dollars to two million dollars. It's such this wide range that you're really just harming yourself. And so we ended up having the conversation that I said we weren't going to have anyway. We don't go as happens. deep as we, yeah, always. Um, I mean, I completely agree. I, we're very much on the same page as far as that stuff goes. We're trying to get as many converts as we can. I've, I've seen a lot of people start to come around uh, after the NIL stuff, seeing <laughs> the benefit. To. You have to. It's not going back. Exactly. The, there's no There's no going back at this point. Move forward. Move forward. Let's Let's just do it. Get it all out there. Um, and we, I will, I do want to talk about the actual points in that piece because it is more complicated than even we just said right there. It will be a much yeah. longer conversation. So we'll, in the real dead that's coming up, we'll, uh, a- after yes. baseball and everything, we'll, we'll have to talk about that. But I think that's it for this show. Charlie Burris, uh, Zach Reagan, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports. It is the Sports Podcast Network feed, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review, blah, 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 YouTube.com. If you want to see Jordan Beck flipping off uh, the outfield against <laughs> Georgia Tech, if you didn't see it last night, um, it is the Sports on YouTube. And um, yeah, I think I think that's it. I always feel like I'm forgetting something, but uh, whatever. You know where we're at. Find us on Twitter. I don't know. I call me. Some of you guys have my phone number. That listen Florida to fans I know have had do. no problem. Florida fans have had no problem finding us lately. Uh, yeah, no kidding, man. They, we did, we didn't get the response on YouTube that we wanted as much, but we had Florida fans tweeting at us uh, about the stuff that we said. We didn't even talk about it. We had too much to talk about in this yeah. this episode. Um, I don't. Well, we got plenty of time to confront Florida fans yeah. through this off season. Thanks so much to everybody who listens. It seriously means the world. The the fan the the listenership of this show has been growing. We had our biggest YouTube video ever last week, I think, which was awesome. So thank you so much for listening. We truly, truly appreciate it. And we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.